Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We have a message for this day, and it really came along um, side a title when the Lord spoke it in the middle of the night. This particular phrase. I saw the whole message flash before me, and then it seemed for the rest of the night into the morning, I was in that message and perceiving, perceiving and gaining understanding. And so I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to communicate to you what I believe he was showing to me. And there is a merging of the Gospels with the epistles. There is a merging of the Jesus that we saw walking on the water into, into the epistles that now he lives in us and that he is the hope of glory. And that really now he's walking on the waters of our life, speaking to us, hush, be still. And the title is Hush to the Sea of Our Soul. Hush to the sea of our soul. As born-again believers, as, as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that we have a new birth, that uh, without this new birth, there's no way we can be called a Christian. A Christian is someone that is born from above, that has the very nature of Christ within their spirit man, and what we're doing now, we're walking out this nature through really revelation. When we read the Bible, the Bible is bearing witness within our spirit, man, that this is truth. And this is truly the portion of our life that we now have been raised together with Jesus in a far above place. That's the book of Ephesians and Colossians tells us that we are transferred, taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into a brand new kingdom of light, a kingdom of love, a kingdom that is of God, God's kingdom, God's realm of dominion. And so we're now subjects to God. We're not subject to the realm of a fallen world. We're not subject to the to to uh, what others might be subject. They're part of the fallen kingdom of Satan. We are part of a brand new existence as Christians. And our portion in life is life. And um, so we have this understanding that our life now is from above and that we are really people with distinction, distinction that has been, that has been made marked by God with a purpose. There is a purpose. And so we start navigating our daily living and we catch ourselves in trip-ups, in snares. And so here we come into the place of the soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And if anyone walks with me for more than just a little brief moment, my, my biggest, my biggest, my biggest revelation, should I say, or that which I keep myself accountable to maybe is a better way to say it is the mind renewal. Is I am to think not as the world think. And the only way I will not think as the world thinks is by abiding in the word and allowing the revelation, the light, the food of this word to build me up so I'll perceive in a brand new manner. And so that's the renewing of the mind. And when your mind is renewed and your mind is lined up with the mind of Christ, because we have now access, we do have the mind of Christ, the mind of the creator, the mind of love himself, the mind of light. God is light and we bear a mind that is lit up light mind. What does that look like? Where my thoughts of light chase dark thoughts away. What does that look like in the spiritual realm to have the mind of light, the mind of love? And we know love flushes out fear. So we have another layer of love chasing out fear. And so we are really as the body of Christ, the most fearful, less fearless, the most really uh, in, uh, releasing fear into the fearful, fear into Satan, fear inducers to Satan's kingdom. That's what I want. We are the most 
fear inducers to Satan's kingdom because we're denying his kingdom and we through really the mind of Christ through this light dominion mindset are chasing away snares that really land in our mind and as we think those uh, ensnared thoughts of darkness we're becoming we're becoming something we're not supposed to be because we're brand new creations and so the mind is skin when your mind is lined up with the mind of christ and you're walking you're walking in that dominion of his mindset then your emotions are lined up how you feel or it's a lot easier to line up your emotions. It's a lot easier to, to, to be in dominion of, of a carnal emotion, um, pity, sadness, uh, remorse, regret, uh, just the gamut, in the gamut of all those fallen feelings that really put us in a little dark corner and we start looking and, and lifting through the old pages of our life and here comes the little tear and here comes the little Oh, and no, no, I'm a new creation. That old man is dead. That old man does not exist where God is concerned. I'm a new creation. So I have brand new, brand new emotions, emotions of joy, emotions of freedom, emotions of exuberance, of expression of life. And so here now comes the part of the will, the other moment of your soul that as you're thinking, and as you're meditating the word of God, it's developing a will within you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And so this is the soul of a renewed man of God. This is the soul of a renewed woman of God. And so what God spoke to me is that when we become born again, there is a lack of revelation of really the power of the soul. And uh, um, we understand the power of the new birth. We understand it, you must be born again. But what ensnares us is this lack of understanding of how really my daily walk is determined by a soul. So that the whether I yield to the new man through the spirit man, whether I yield to the Holy Spirit within me or I yield to the old man that is carnal and really um, fallen will, de will be determined by how I think. So let's go to Matthew 18, uh, Matthew 11. That's where we finished last week. And this, what I just said, was sort of like a something we can build on. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 and 30, I read it. And um, we finished off there last Sunday, so we're starting here again. And the, this is Jesus, Jesus speaking to us, to his disciples. And the context here is, is that it's about a disclosure to the Father, that Jesus discloses the Father to us. If you go to verse 27, all things have been delivered to me. This is what Jesus speaks. All things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son. No one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son. No one knows the father except the son. Now we have camped for a long time of who is the son. He is Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is the word of God. So can we insert here? No one knows the father outside of his word. No one knows the Father except the Son, except the one whom he sent. And, and John tells us the one whom he sent is the Word made flesh. So without the Word made flesh, what does it look like for the Word to be made flesh in life? A revelation. Revelation, when this word becomes flesh in you, you are being groomed into sonship. And this grooming is to know your father. It is a knowing of your heavenly father, the one who has given you birth now. That has called you, you've been brought into this kingdom to a living hope, born again. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. And so here, to the one the Son wills to reveal him, the very next moment is come to me. Meaning it, 
His desire is that the Father be revealed to all. Because Jesus said, the disclosure happens through the Son and through the ones that the Son wills to reveal the Father to. In verse 28, come to me, oh you. So this revelation of of the Father, and can we say of the Father's love? Because in John 17, the, the last prayers that have been written down uh, to mark his moment before really his crucifixion, Jesus talked about knowing the love of the Father. And so 28 tells us the one he's revealing this fatherhood to, this love of the Father is to those that are heavy laden, and that need rest. So to all of you who labor in the heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. And we last week we mentioned that is really his cross that really from that death of the outer man, only life exists now. So take my yoke upon you or take my life and learn from it the new living of that learn of me says, I will teach you. Learn of me and I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The new living, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you Take my yoke upon you, upon you. We, it's upon us. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. When will we find rest for our souls? When we take on his yoke. When we take on his yoke. When we, in, 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 um, Paul writes that through the cross, the world has been crucified to us and we have been crucified to the world. This yoke that brings us rest is an identification that I'm not ruled by the world anymore. I am not ruled by that which I see. I'm not ruled by the stormy seas of the world, but I am now under the dominion of life himself. I'm now under the dominion of, of, of the kingdom of God. And the way I enter into this kingdom is through the narrow way of the cross. It's through the narrow way of the cross. And this is where I find rest for my soul because he's not arrogant and he would not cast me aside, but he's humble and gentle, gentle, gentle in his heart. There's a gentleness in his heart towards me. There is an understanding. He, he has been proved on all points. He's been tempted in every moment that I'll ever face, and he has overcome it all. And through this overcoming, where did he overcome it? He overcame it on the cross. He overcame it on the cross. And so when I take on that cross, I'm really overtaking someone that, that overcame death himself because my the penalty that I deserve was the cross, but now I'm carrying it. And because of that, I'm entering into life. So that penalty is no longer mine. He bore it. But now I carry it as a reminder that it's been paid for. Does it make sense? It's been paid for. And because I'm now his purchased possession, I'm paid by the blood and by his life, by his broken body, that now I can walk free, free from every snare that my soul likes to get caught up in. Because his yoke is easy to bear. And the burden he gives me is light. Let's go to, we're going to now, uh, Mark 4. Hush to the sea of my soul, really, we could say it. It is my choice 
to believe or not to believe God. And that which I choose will determine what kind of a water I walk on. <laughs> or maybe better, that which I choose to believe will determine how I walk a turbulent water. That which I choose to believe where God is concerned is producing a walk that is made to be walked over turbulent waters. And so there is a constant subduing that comes from a mindset that is really being geared by a persuaded heart because faith is of the heart. So here I really believe we're just going to drop down a little bit and just, 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 just be a bit more reflective of our own personal moments and what we really meditate or think on and ponder on a regular basis. Because when we are honest to ourselves with ourselves before God, we'll see that we are constantly mulling over something we believe or do not believe. And when we have the standard of righteousness which is the word of God looking back at me that says by his stripes you are healed that tells me that I now do have the mind of Christ that tells me that now I am a new creation I have a choice whether I'll receive that as my truth and let it wash over over an old mindset and wash that old thought process away or whether I refuse it and should I refuse truth, then I'll be very much away of all the turbulence that it does truly exist in the world. And I'll sink. And I'll sink. So that's why when Peter started sinking, once, once Jesus, you know, Jesus called him, oh, that's where we're going to go and look at is, uh, let's, let's read before I start paraphrasing. Let's read Mark 4, 35. We're going to start. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, after having taught them, after having taught them, and really the teaching of the Beatitudes, right? So here they, 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 they faced truth and they faced a reality that was from heaven. They faced a truth that is really not common. It's not of this earth because he talked about <laughs> The mustard seed talked about us being a light. And so they would have had to make choices whether they receive that which he has said to them and taught them as truth. And so here we'll see how well they received what he spoke to them. Because when you receive truth, truth is light. Truth, truth is supernatural. Truth is supernatural reality. And it is really God himself. And so when you know the truth lives in you, God lives in you, then you're beyond a fear, right? Because if he before you, who can be against you? The greater one now is in you than the one that's in the world. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So he gave an instruction. He gave them an instruction. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm arose. A cacophony, a, a major disruption to their course. Uh, something hit them from left field, totally unexpected. A great windstorm arose. And, and the waves beat on the boat, into the boat, so that it was already filling. It was already filling. Something unexpected happened that caused the boat to start filling up with water, which, which we know what happens. You in a storm is seeing your boat fills up. What's the next thought you might have? <laughs> I'm done for. But he was in the stern, that is Jesus, asleep on a pillow, unmoved unmoved in a storm. This is what faith looks like. I come often to this. He was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, so the storm did not take him out of rest. 
The water filling the boat that really in, in the natural communicates one thing, you're going down, that did not wake him up. Fear had no hold on him, nor did the fear of the others have a hold on him. Not even the fear of the others had a hold on him. I love that about my God. God is fully persuaded by that which he has spoken to me. And he said to them, we are crossing to the other side, Desi. Come on, Desi. Don't be engaged what comes in the middle of the process. Don't be engaged however is wanting to jump ship. Don't be crazy when they're going to say, we're going to die. Don't you care, Jesus? Be fully persuaded, Desi, by the love of God. And this is what faith looks like. Faith looks like a persuasion that he loves me, that the cross indeed happened, that he did indeed die for me. And now he's walking on the waters of my life, really asleep, asleep in my boat. There are times it feels like it's sinking and he's saying, rest, rest. And the way he says rest, hush, Desi, be still, Desi. He says, hush to the sea of my soul. They woke him up and said to him, this is what doubt and belief sounds like. In case next time you have the same question to Jesus, it should be your sign. Okay, I'm not in faith. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Do you not care we're dying? He just said to them, you're crossing over, buddy. No, we don't believe that. No. That's what a carnal mind does. A carnal mind is persuaded by what you see. A carnal mind is persuaded by what you feel. And that is really how you know. It's how I know. I survey my behavior. I study myself to show myself approved. I study the word I've placed within myself. I let the word study me. That's the better way to say it. Because how can I discern whether I'm in faith or not if I'm carnally minded? You see, the issue is we know we're born again. And so we just assume we know it all. We just assume because we know we're born again. Because I can go back to that experience. For me, it was a night vision of seeing Jesus dying on the cross. Waking up my roommate saying, he is indeed the son of God. He died for me. Got born again. Because I had that experience, and it's very tangible and very real to me. I can allow myself and my senses to think, I'm in faith now. I got it down. I read my Bible sometimes. I go to church services every time the church is open. The storm is your identifier. And I thank God for the storms because they locate me perfectly. And sometimes I cringe when I locate myself telling Jesus, don't you care for me? I'm perishing. And he arose. I love that compassion. He'll deal with the unbelief, but compassion is your first moment with him. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, he spoke. So that would induce fear. Peace, be still. And he knew exactly what he was speaking to. Peace, and it ceased. Be still, and the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Because that's what the wind does, and that's what the sea does. They obey the command of the living God. Who is the living God, the creator of the seas and of nature? Where does the creator now live? In me. And when I'm 
in that place of rest, as we have been speaking over the last couple of weeks about rest, today when you hear his voice, you don't harden your heart, but believe. Now there is a rest remaining to those that are faith. This is what, this is how this message fits. It's not, it's not singled out. It fits in, in light of what we've been communicating already. Because we talked about that in, in Hebrews chapter four and one, two and three there, that the, the word that they heard preached didn't, did not benefit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. There was something else within them that was talking back and refusing the message preached of life. It's what I'm talking about. It's an unrenewed mindset. It's an unrenewed soul. It's one that has a memory of dying. And that's what Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 2. Let's put our eyes on it. That the master, the master, the, 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 the biggest way, the number one way that Satan functions, it's fear. It's fear of death. The master fears the fear of death. And in Hebrews 2, he's done it. He's, he has already destroyed that, that power that death has over us. The fear of it has been destroyed. In chapter 2, verse 14, the book of Hebrews, Inasmuch and as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that is Jesus, because he is the word made flesh, right? He had to come and partake of flesh and blood because we needed a point of reference. We needed a rescue. We needed a rescue. He had to become like us. He humbled himself and took on this death of a cross to rescue us because we are beyond repair. In your carnal man, in your natural man, you're beyond repair. You must be born again, and you cannot be born again unless he came and defeated the power of Satan. They had a hold on humanity, and now Christ, through this new birth that he arose from the grave, gave us a way of escape, that with his arising, we arose in a brand new creation. He is the firstborn among many brethren. The depth of the reality of what he did, I believe the Holy Spirit was to expose truth on a whole different, deeper meaning. So you are walking out dominion on earth. You're not functioning out of heady knowledge, trying to figure out which verse do you say in what situation. In every moment, there is to be a peace and a rest within you. Him speaking to your soul. Be calm, Desi. Calm. I'm in you, Desi. I'm at rest, Desi. I'm steering the boat of your life, Desi. I've said to you, you will make it, Desi. You will make it, Desi. I speak to myself like this. He himself likewise shared, this is true to me. This is not fairy tales. This is life. And if I do not believe what I'm about to read, I'm sunk. If it wasn't for his mercy, all of us would be at the very bottom of the sea. But because of his mercy and his discipline, as he disciplined them here, we're going to see. Let's finish Hebrews first. He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death. Come on, Desi, get happy. That through death he, Jesus, might destroy him, Satan, who had the power of death. Say what, Satan? You're coming around my way? Your power has been destroyed. 
wanting to give me an experience of fear, wanting Satan to give me an insinuation of death. Say what? I come back to Hebrews 2 and it says, did Jesus die? Yes, he did. Well, through his death, he destroyed Satan's kingdom. How did he destroy? Because he arose from the grave. He arose from the grave. Resurrection lives in you and I. And with his rising in Romans 6 and also in, in, in Ephesians, we've been raised together with him. Raised together. You see, your spirit man knows and bears witness within you, even as I'm speaking. But, but the clutch comes, the moment of intensity comes is when you leave here and a phone call or a text message comes or a thought of your past comes or Monday morning, Tuesday. Are you going to live a pl plunge in the depth of this reality? You have to. It's how you silence it. He might destroy him with the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death, that's it, fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So here we see the, disciple, the disciples, because this is before they became born again, and we did not understand any of the Beatitudes, understood nothing of the teachings of Jesus. Until after his resurrection, the Holy Spirit was given and, and light was, was, was really uh, released to them, and they could understand and perceive that through fear of death, humanity, all their lifetime was subject to bondage. But he came to aid us, to rescue us. Let's go to Mark 4, back to 4. Now we're going to go 39, verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, and this is it, do not ever miss that verse 40 comes after this miracle story. Because he is a discipliner of those that call him father. He's our instructor. He wants us to learn and to grow. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it? You just heard me speaking. I mean, if you just look just visually, uh, chapter 4 is marked with red letters. How does faith come? How does faith come? Through the hearing. And the hearing of the word of God. They were subject to hear the word of God. And this is an example of how it really did not benefit them. Because from that word that was preached to them by the, by the lips of Jesus, the word speaking the word to them. Think about the, the revelation that was available. The light that was present. He, light, was present. Illumination of, of utterance present. A little storm comes on their sea. Oh, they're going to die now. Now they're going to die. Now they're going to die. After having heard all the words of Jesus. So next time we get a little bit too cocky. I know it all, Desi. I know it all. That's what the word says, be careful lest you slip. Now we don't have to be fearful. But one thing I do is I, I, I want to be found in this word where fate, fate comes and resides and, 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 and builds me up. Lest I get too puffed up in my mind because I know a few verses. I can quote a few verses. And become legalistic. The letter that, that kills. Versus the spirit that gives life through his word. And so he, he disciplined them. He says, why? You see, fear negates faith. Fear present means no faith present. <laughs> He's connecting them. Why are you so fearful? How come you've got no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this? Who is this man? Who can this be? Even the wind and the sea and, and the sea obey him. Let's go to uh, Matthew's story in um, 14. 
the other, the boat crossing. <laughs> he is now in me, and and what I saw is this merging of, of the Jesus of the gospel to the Christ in me now, speaking these very words to my soul, and and that really the unrenewed mind is the un, is an unruly soul. And like James says, we know that um what gives the soul expression is really the tongue, right? So through the tongue, the soul communicates. Your mind, your will, and your emotions communicate how? Through the tongue. So I'm not feeling too happy today yet, and I'm not happy. I'm not happy with you today. I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. You know, you go through what gives, what gives expression to your soul is your tongue. And so James talks about the tongue being the most unruly member. Who can tame the tongue? That's James 3. You can go in your own quiet time and read it. And I often think of that James 2 reference with, with um, Romans chapter 7. Paul saying every time he wants to do good, he finds himself in doing wrong. But he has the right intent, but when it comes to doing it, it always is a foul up. And then I've, I've, I've spoken a few messages on, on that, that really the answer and the key to that is Romans 8, uh, because he finishes chapter 7 with, who, who, who's going to help me? Who, who, who would, who would, who would reign in this unruly tongue, this unruly flesh? But thanks be to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the victory. And that's why Romans 8 starts the way it starts. There's no condemnation to those that are walking in the Spirit. So when we talk about walking, it's about walking in the Spirit. And so here, Peter had an experience of walking in the Spirit versus what it looks like to walk in the flesh. So we said Matthew 14, right? Uh, let's start at verse 22. It's a longer read. It's a longer read. So let's see if I'll do all of it or not. Yeah, no, let, let's start from there. Yeah. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. It's right after the feeding. Another miracle was witnessed. So you just, you know, people say, if I see enough miracles, I'll believe Jesus. Well, uh, let's see what happened. They saw a major feeding of 5,000 with just a handful of loaf and fish. So. Immediately Jesus made his disciples. So here the first camp is they kept, they're, they're hearing the word, you know, in Mark 4. They, they heard, heard, heard Bible verses. Then this next camp is they saw miracles, miracles, miracles. So immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. You see, he sent them ahead of him. They went before him. He could see them. They were before him. He sent them before him to the other side. While there was a separation, the multitudes he sent away, but the others, they were before him. He sent them ahead of him. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. He knew exactly where the boat was at. It was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Contrary wind arose again. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. When you are in fear and you're moving out of a carnal mindset, we're perishing. I'm looking, the boat is sinking. I'm seeing the big waves. When you are in a carnal mind, you cannot discern the voice of God, nor can you understand the word of God. And you would... Think it is spooky. You think it, well, it's not appropriate for today. It's a ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. I don't want to deal with a ghost. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. He bound fear. And Peter answered him, 
and said, Lord, it is, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. If it is you, God, if, if, if I'm discerning you right, Jesus, if, if I'm discerning you here in my moment in the storm, speak to me, come. Uh, I, I mean, depending on the situation, I've been before God, you know, in the middle of a little storm or a major storm, I'm like, Lord, show me the way out. This is the same. Show me. Tell me to come. Show me the way out. Come. Tell me to come. And um, to bridge over from this moment of turmoil into perfect peace, who you are, Jesus. Just come. And um, so this is the moment Peter said, if it is you, command me to come to you in the water. And he said, what did Jesus say? Come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, climbed out of the boat, came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That word of God that in this moment was come. But any, 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 anything that he's spoken to you, it'll hold you for your moment. It'll hold you. The word holds you. The word is, is the solid rock that you walk on. The, the word is the foundation that you step on out of the boat that's been rocked around for a while. When he saw the wind was boisterous, but what happened with, so he started walking towards Jesus on the water. But when, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him again, compassion meets him first. Oh, you have little faith, but then there is a correction that happens right after. Oh, you know, I've, I've been in, in, you know, over the many years in different circles of Christendom and you have the extremes. One is like, uh, oh, it's okay. You fell down. God gets you. The other camp is what's wrong with you? Not in faith. Good. You fell down. That's not Jesus. Both are not truth. Truth is compassion, but truth, compassion, who is love, corrects you. Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And what this is mean, you deal with the issue. He'll deal with you. He'll deal with you. But in a rescuing manner, in a rescuing manner, he'll deal with you. Not in a condemning manner. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The next verse is, When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him the sick and begged that they be touched and many were healed. And so oftentimes I find right before a movement of the miraculous through a vessel, there'll be a great testing of that vessel. And a storm would arise to test our hearts, to really for us to locate ourselves. And when we locate ourselves, whether it's like, don't you care, Jesus, I'm perishing, or if it is you, I think it might be a ghost, but if it is you, just tell me to come. And, and I step out in the spirit, and then suddenly I survey a natural realm, another, another stormy moment, and I start thinking, those are the moments where the mature ones would receive correction. Through that correction, you become qualified to go on to the miraculous working of God. And so let's go from here to John 6. We're going to wrap it up with John 6. And um, this is another long portion I set apart, but to do with the eating of the word of God that brings forth a salute and a maturity to enable us to perceive right that the storm is really made to 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 locate us and for us to know the level of growth within us i said john 6 but i didn't give a verse uh, i have 48 down verse 48 let's read from there i am the bread of life your fathers ate the manor in the wilderness and are dead 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven. The one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall, which I shall give for the life of the world. And then he continues in 53. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Communion with the blood of Christ and with his flesh, really, which looks like a communion with the word of God, because he is the word of God. And when I'm in communion with the word, I'm really in communion with his body and with his life. I'm in communion with the very life, with the very life of God in the Word of God. And we know that the life, the life is carried through the blood. And so I'm in communion with the blood as well. And so 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. This is my confidence of resurrection. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. Why am I reading this? Because without a solidity of revelation of what he has done for us, we'll be totally and constantly tossed in the storms of life and live exactly like the world lives. Live exactly like the world lives. And we'll go and attend our little services and we'll sing our little hallelujahs and we'll leave that service and have exactly the same worries as the neighbor down the street or up the street or across the road. That's not born again. He who eats my flesh, 56, okay, 55. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. It's to be taken in. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. This goes with, if you abide in my word, and the word abides in you, John 15, you bear much fruit. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me and, and I live because of the Father. I live one because of the Father. I don't live because of a good natural diet. I don't live because the weather here is so and the, the climate is so pure and perfect. I live because of my Father. That's another teaching I live because of the spirit man within me that has quickened my mortal body. Because I've partaken of his flesh and of his blood. I live because of my father. Because he so loved me, he sent his own flesh and blood to die for me. I live because of my father. <laughs> As the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so he who feeds on me, he who feeds on me, who is he? The word made flesh, he who feeds on my flesh, he who feeds on my word. I feed on the word. I feed on the word. I feed on the word. We'll live because of me. I'll live because of the word. I'll live on the base of that which I feed, I, I, I put in my, in my vessel. And so then I, I remember years back having a revelation that really what keeps me healthy is what I put in my spirit man. If it's truth, it's good for me. If it's error and deception, it's deadly for me. Equals premature death. For this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and the dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. But look at the response. Can we say this is how they they, they, they feared in the boat when they were crossing over. It's this murmuring, this lack of understanding saying verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand? I don't get I, that message. I didn't get the message. Whatever. Next time, maybe I'll get the message. It's too hard to understand. Yeah. So you just chose to sink. You just chose to sink. 
Oh, no, I didn't make that. Oh, yes, you did. With God, it's black and white. And that's why we'll give an account. If it wasn't so, why would he say we're going to give an account to the deeds done in the body, in the flesh? Why would we be ever held accountable? If we were not accountable, he wouldn't bring correction. In both cases, he corrected the fear and the doubt. He didn't just let it linger. He didn't just say, I get you, Peter. He didn't just say to those that, 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 that thought they were going to die, woke him up, took him out of the place of rest. So, thank you for waking me up. If you didn't wake me up, you would have died. No! Why do you doubt? Why have little faith? I'll tell you why. Because the word is too hard for them to pick up. But the local news is easy to pick up. Because your carnal flesh wants to be fed something. Not the word of God. But we say my yoke, take my yoke. This is his yoke. They say it's too hard to understand. But Jesus says, I'm gentle and humble. Who are you going to believe? The doubters? It's too hard. Don't go to that church too hard. You wouldn't get anything. Go to that one. You get something. There's, there's good songs singing there. I mean, we want good songs singing. Of course we do. But it's about understanding the yoking that we have with Jesus now. It's a hard saying, who can understand? And what did Jesus say? To look, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he hears us. He hears us. We live life before him. What did he say? Does this offend you? Come on now, does this offend you? What then? If you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? What, if, what about you see the resurrection? Would that offend you too? Is that too hard to believe as well? Actually, most Christians believe like there was no resurrection. It's actually very grieving. What, what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? <laughs> and this is it. It is the Spirit. This is why all of this hush to the soul, to the storms of that carnal man to be stilled forever is you have to realize to reckon the old man dead. There's nothing good in the flesh. But what profits you is the spirit. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Don't try it with your flesh understand spiritual truth. Flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and their life. It says those words are his flesh and they're his body. They're his blood. The words that I speak to you, they're spirit. And he just said that his words, he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I'll raise him up. This is what it looks like to be partaker of the spirit nature, to be partaker, to be hearer of a spirit, of a spirit life. It's a profit to you. And that is how, when we listen to these messages, there will be a profit to you and would not identify with the Hebrews that they did not believe, or the Hebrews of old. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they're alive, but there are some of you who do not believe. The choice is yours today. Be a believer of that which you hear him say to you today. Amen. We're done. Done.